Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever this episode may find you. Welcome to the Did You Know podcast, and today I'm going to be welcoming Gigi, who is a very interesting uh, gentleman who wrote a Medium article called Proof of Life and his thesis that uh, Bitcoin, or at least his uh, compilation of various people, including Ralph Merkel, creator of the Merkel tree and, and, um, and other things, uh, but uh, a compilation of and kind of putting together this concept that Bitcoin is a living organism. I think you guys are going to really, really like this episode. It was, um, it was really, really interesting, and he's uh, extremely uh, well-spoken and fun person to talk to. Um, there was a point uh, about 40 minutes in where you'll notice I kind of get a little bit flustered and I just wanted to point out that it was three in the morning um, when I uh, was doing this on my time because he was in Europe. So um, you can maybe forgive me a little bit for kind of losing my my train of thought there. So anyways, I think you guys are going to really like this. If you could do me a really quick and uh, a really quick uh, a favor, go over to iTunes and leave a five-star and a written review. And also go over to supportmypodcast.com. You'll notice now that I've redesigned the website and we are now going to be rolling out the discount program. And all you'll need to do is uh, just sign up um, for the email newsletter and you'll be given the password. And you can act, uh, get into that uh, website as well. And we're, we have discounts on things such as Trezors, Keep Keys, um, uh, Mushroom Coffee, uh, some Bitcoin merchandise stores, and, and I'm rolling out uh, more discounts here coming coming very, very soon. So I really uh, appreciate you guys and all the support that you give me, and I want to give something back to you as well. So um, please head over to supportmypodcast.com and check all that stuff out. So thanks again. Thank you for listening. And... Enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome uh, Gigi, coder, author, creative thinker, and creator of 21lessons.com and bitcoin-resources.com. Gigi, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Dustin. Uh, so you wrote uh, a really fascinating Medium article called Proof of Life that was uh, on the thesis that Bitcoin is a living organism. And this is, you know, kind of uh, very much synchronicity as I've been kind of going deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole of kind of Bitcoin, um, biomimicry and, and digital networks and, and super organisms kind of in, in, in digital networks as well as of late. And I mean, if you don't mind, let's just uh, jump right in and, you know, take as much time as you need. And uh, once you kind of lay out your case for Bitcoin as an organism. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I, I wouldn't even say that it's my case. Um, a lot of other people saw Bitcoin as an organism and we kind of saw memes forming around that as well. Um, like Bitcoin is the honey badger or uh, Andreas Antonopoulos also used a lot of memes from biology and uh, on his book there is an army of leafcutter ants which exhibit similar characteristics. Uh, it's just like a super organism and you could make the argument that any single ant is kind of stupid and doesn't really know what it's doing but altogether they create a beautiful system 
which works and is alive and so on and so forth. And um, so many people saw Bitcoin in, in a similar light as a living organism. And uh, what resonated probably the most with me was uh, the series by Brandon Quidham, um, who saw Bitcoin as a yeah the mycelial network and the fungi superorganism in a way because fungi are uh, decentralized organisms basically and i i was playing with the idea of um uh, writing about that in a more formal strict way <laughs> and i've been working on that for probably the last the, the last half year or so and it it almost turned into a book and the article i just published is are just some excerpts i tried to break it down in uh, <laughs> something that is digestible and so yeah it will probably be an article series in four parts and this was the first one where i make the case that um it's not an outlandish claim to say that bitcoin is a living organism and yeah, I tried to make the case there that it, it's, it, it, it was basically, um, you know, if it quacks like a duck and walks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. And Bitcoin behaves very much like a living thing and exhibits most, if not all, characteristics of living things. And uh, that's what I tried to lay out there. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll link everybody that's listening, I'll, I'll link the, the Medium article that, that we're talking about. But uh, I, I find it, you know, really a compelling case because um, w one of the interesting things that I, I learned when I was studying permaculture um, was was pattern recognition uh, in both nature as it relates to creating, um, I guess people would probably be more familiar with the term garden and gardening, uh, but, you know, food forests and, and sustainable uh, agricultural practices. But um, you know, not just in those things, but also the the rest of the world, and we see the the same patterns kind of emerge in digital network topography. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned um, 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 mycorrhizal systems already, or mycelium, and most pronounced in the in the in decentralized digital networks. Does that really kind of take shape less so than in in permission networks? But you know, what fascinates me is that Bitcoin is more you know, people kind of just looking at it from the outside and, and not that familiar kind of just look at it as just, you know, these are computers connected to a, a network. Um, but it's really a, you know, like you've said, a super organism that's kind of exhibiting this swarm intelligence uh, where individuals on the network are acting in a way that kind of benefits the the, the larger organism that we all are a part of. And the, uh, it kind of orders a seeming disorder of outside inputs, but it's not centrally controlled in any way, which is, is, you know, quite beautiful, uh, in, in its way and, and very much similar to what you see in, in superorganisms. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the beauty that you're speaking of is, um, based on the fact that it's very simple rules. So understanding Bitcoin from the rules perspective, what's actually going on and like building your own little uh, thingy that works in a similar way is kind of easy to do. Like um, if, if you, if you come from a, a tech background, you can probably build your own blockchain from scratch quite quickly. But that's not really the interesting part because the interesting part is once the system grows to a certain point, the incentives 
are what drive the system. It's not that the rules are complicated. It's just that the outcome is really complicated in a way. And I think um, that's what's so beautiful about Bitcoin, that it it is such a simple system, but it exhibits so compli- complex and complicated characteristics. And I think it, it is also due to the fact that it's it, it kind of lives at the intersection of um, multiple disciplines, if you if you want to think about it that way. I, I mean, on the one hand, you have it, the, the computer network, um, the peer-to-peer network, which is very much based in computing and computer science and uh, network topology and so on and so forth. But a huge part of the system is a financial and a social one. And I mean, the financial markets can also be seen as kind of... Um, you know, markets are also, they have cycles. Um, some economists also talk about them, like um, the flow of money, like flowing blood through a system and so on and so forth. So um, what I'm trying to say is that all of all of this together, it, it's almost like multiple living things together that, that and Bitcoin lives at the intersection of it. And... Uh, I I did my best to to do my research and I uh, binged on your whole bot- podcast in the last two days. <laughs> so I I listened to almost almost every episode and um, it it was really fascinating to me to to hear your progression and arrive at similar conclusions as well and look at Bitcoin from from another angle and see it as. Uh, something that is akin to a religion. I mean, it, it has some of these aspects uh, as well, because one big part of the whole system are the people that drive it and that run it. And not, not only the developers, but, you know, we have now the holders of last resort and so on and so forth. And all of that plays together and it just works. And that's that what I think is so extremely fascinating. And I think you can look at Bitcoin from 20 different angles and it kind of all makes sense, you know, but no metaphor is, is perfect. It's kind of its own thing. It's, <laughs> it's its own phenomenon. And I think nobody really understands it yet. No, definitely. I think, uh, especially as you go down the, the rabbit hole deeper and deeper, there's different different aspects of Bitcoin that you didn't see before. Because I, I first started with bitcoin back in 2013 but i i did not understand at all um i came to it just from a purely economic point of view of this being you know a a rival to fiat currencies better and more likely to be successful than waiting for some sort of uh, apocalypse for gold uh, to be you know brought back as as a basis for money so it was very much as just like, okay, well, this is just money and, and that's it. And, and, uh, this, you know, it's interesting and, uh, that's all digital and, and we can make it, uh, in a way where people can't counterfeit it and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, I didn't really start to understand what Bitcoin was and, and probably until 2018, 2017, when I later 2017 and into 2018, when I really started to go, okay, I really want to understand this better because I started to see things that were that were not that you know like you said you start to expand your your horizons and in, into what Bitcoin actually is and and it's it's different um, different facets and yeah it is it is more interesting as you go along and it's what's I think what captures people's imagination 
originally, but keeps them interested for this long of a time is that it continually reveals new aspects of itself. And the concept of digital life, and like you say in your article, that that is a, a kind of a, a term that can probably be up for um, debate on what exactly is life or what do we consider that. And those, are, you know, as well have religious implications as well. But the the mimicry of biological systems, um, I, I would agree with you and, and your premise that it does um, it does have a proof of life. And for the listeners as well, just so that, you know, people may be getting lost in some definitions of of, um, you know, we, we keep on talking about super organisms. But I was just pulling up the definition so that people maybe uh, who are listening understand uh, what we're talking about is that that's just basically an organized society like an ant. Like it's a social insect and that functions as an organic whole. So it's a group of individuals who kind of function almost as a uh, as a whole, even though they're made up of of uh, smaller parts and individuals. But but yeah, Bitcoin is is fascinating. And you mentioned that I had not read this before by by Ralph Merkel, um, his uh, Dow's Democracy and Governance that he published back in 2016. What was his case uh, for Bitcoin being being you know a, a bio or a digital biological organism? Yeah, I think as far as I know, Ralph Merkel was the first one to make this connection. Um, there might have been earlier. Uh, mentions or earlier parallels uh, some people pinged me on twitter that linked to some stuff I, I still have to look into that um so so it's not not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination but R ralph merkel said it very beautifully and he said that bitcoin is the first example of a new form of life and that it lives and breathes on the internet and it lives because uh, it can pay people to keep it alive and so on. So that's a very nice way of thinking about it and, and looking at Bit Bitcoin. And I, um, as you also said, uh, the article goes very, very briefly into the question, what is life? And defining what life is, is kind of hard, especially uh, around the edges. You know, there are always some some edge cases like, is this really alive or not? Like <laughs> um, if, if viruses are alive, for example, are computer viruses alive as well? And if viruses aren't alive, why aren't they? And uh, uh, in, in, in general terms, um, life seems to be more of a process and not, not a substance. And um, the common scientific definition of this process is that it it has to exhibit uh, seven characteristics it, it has to grow it has to reproduce it has to inherit traits it has to um, have homeostasis which uh, is simply saying that it has to keep some form of stable structure a stable inner structure and it has to have a metabolism it has to be cellular and has to respond to the environment and my argument is simply that Bitcoin does all of these things um, if, if you look at it from from a certain perspective. And uh, I, I, uh, I, as soon as I realized that, I kind of um, wanted to write about it and just take Ralph Merkel's claim that Bitcoin is a new form of life more seriously. And the more I thought about it and the more I, I wrote about it, uh, the more I realized that, uh, as I said before, um, 
we kind of talk about Bitcoin as a living thing already. And uh, many people came to this conclusion, uh, maybe even unconsciously in a way, you know, the, the honey badger don't care meme is applied to Bitcoin all the time. And I, I don't think that most people are really conscious in a way of what that is actually saying, because in, in, in as it looks to me, what it is saying is that Bitcoin behaves like a wild living animal and it simply doesn't care about any external factors in a way. It just, it fights for its survival and it it, it is just a very tough beast. And um, I think that that's true. I think, it, I think at a certain level of analysis, this is true. And um, yeah, currently, of course, people play a, a huge role in, as Ralph Merkler said, paying like keeping Bitcoin alive and Bitcoin pays us to keep it alive. But it's not a very, uh, how should I say? I mean, you, you could think of of a future where we are not needed anymore. You know, when you really have autonomous organ organizations or you have uh, other entities that pay Bitcoin, um, that are paid by Bitcoin to keep it alive. And I think we can already see that happening. I mean, we have many companies now which in a way also if it's a successful company it, it it is its own thing you know what i mean it's it's um if you zoom out a bit um a company still lives on if all the people that started the company have long passed away and so these companies will keep bitcoin alive and maybe other autonomous things will keep bitcoin alive in the future as well so maybe we will see a transition where Bitcoin doesn't even need us anymore in a way. <laughs> and I, I I wrote about it um, quite a bit already. I, I haven't published it yet. And I'm in the process of trying to break it down into digestible pieces um, that, <laughs> where, where you don't, <laughs> I don't know, where you don't throw up when you read them. <laughs> What's well, an interesting concept? I mean, if you think of it in 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 those terms, and there's been a lot of, um, you know, I've been like I said, I've been kind of diving down this this rabbit hole of of superorganisms and biomimicry and just the kind of um, pattern patterns of of uh, of digital and and organic kind of networks, and a lot of the stuff that I've been reading where I'm, I'm <clears throat> excuse me, is where uh, there's been a lot of stuff published on in, in relation to companies and corporations and, and their kind of mimicry of, of super organisms to your point. And that's kind of uh, been reading a, a lot of that as it, as it goes in there. So that's, it's very much the same that, that a company is, you know, similar to Bitcoin, similar to ants, um, or, or other kind of a, a swarm intelligence um, um, systems is that they they do they they're all you know you don't have to have any of the original you know individuals of that major organism of that super organism to to continue it and we're in your article you talk about how Bitcoin is a is strange um, in that it lives with one foot uh, in the you know in the digital informational realm um and then one foot in the physical realm of people and the you know the nodes and 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 miners that that run it and so how if you don't mind 
um, giving a little bit of a peek into into that that article. Uh, how, how do you foresee uh, removing the people? Because I guess the nodes could continue without us, but how would the people be extracted from the um, extracted from the equation? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that's a. Uh... It's it's a far future scenario, I would say, but uh, it, it could also happen very gradually. And um, I um, I'm saying all of that a bit tongue in cheek because obviously people are important and are also important to me. And even though I'm a technologist and I I believe that at some point in time we will have something approximating true artificial intelligence, uh, I make no claims of how far this is off. I mean, you know, AI has been off only 10 years for the last, I don't know, 50 years probably. <laughs> so um, it's it's a very hairy and tough topic. And um, yeah, everyone has a different opinion about that. But, but with, with that being said, as, as soon as you have, for example, and you can, you can kind of already see it a bit. I mean, you have bots on Twitter, for example, the tipping pot, the tipping bots and some other bots um, that run on the Lightning Network, they earn BTC in a way, like they, they earn Bitcoin and they pay other people in Bitcoin. Like it's a service that you use and money runs through it. And it it wouldn't take too much imagination to have uh, some software running, which is completely autonomous uh, in a sense that it, it hosts itself, it, uh, it if it's open source software, maybe there are still some people in play that update it and fix bugs or do whatever, but it can pay for itself uh, for its hosting, for example. And if it provides a useful service, then people will pay for it. And if you want to think one step further, then maybe you have other bots or other hosting services or whatever uh, that are also autonomous that could in theory run without any people behind them and uh, they interact with each other and pay each other. And uh, I mean, you know, it, it's it's kind of a weird thought because it's, it's an alien concept to most people, but pe um, people and futurologists have been speculating about things like this, that for a very long time. And I think that it's, it's definitely possible for it to happen. And we see autonomous systems and autonomous bots and also worms and viruses online all the time, but there is no money involved and most of them are not beneficial. But we kind of have those autonomous systems already. And uh, I, I think you could imagine a future where there is enough of that activity going on that you don't need to have too many dedicated people running the network. Um, that's that's one way of thinking about it. Uh, it's probably, you know, far off. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's one way to, to think about that. And as you said, uh, I wrote in the article, Bitcoin is a strange beast because it, it lives both in cyberspace and in meat space. Um, you can attack Bitcoin by just cutting off the internet, the physical internet, or even attacking the people physically, or even shutting off nodes physically, or um, um, storming mining facilities and taking them offline. But that 
really doesn't matter too much because Bitcoin also, it, it's more like an idea than anything else. <laughs> it's really hard to kill in that way. It's, it's pure information and yes, it runs on physical infrastructure, but the whole system, everything that makes Bitcoin, Bitcoin as Budion beautifully said, it's just speech. The whole code is speech. The whole network protocol is speech. Everything is just text. And in principle, you could run Bitcoin by just passing around pieces of paper. And a system like that is really, really hard to kill. And I heard you talk about Bitcoin as a cult and Bitcoin as a religion and so on and so forth. Um, and I think that one one of the things that religions really do show is that information is extremely hard to kill. And I think Bitcoin falls into that category. I, I haven't sorted my thoughts about that completely yet, but I almost feel like that Bitcoin and also the, the UTXO set, like the, the ledger, the distribution of the wealth, it's important enough information that it might survive for a very, very, very long time, just like the Bible did because you can reprint it, it can survive changes in medium, it can, um, it can morph and transform independent of the physical reality. And thus, I think it will be very hard to kill. And I hope to write about that more clearly uh, very soon. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the, the concept of, of, the, uh, of an idea as, a, as something that's very difficult to kill and how it relates to, I mean, every successful faith and religion, that's what they've had in common is a, um, and I, you know, I, popular ideas are very, very similar to viruses, right? Where they, they take hold, they reproduce and they, they spread to ever and larger numbers and viruses, uh, you know, ideas are both very difficult, uh, if not impossible to kill. You can attempt to, stifle its growth you can um, try to you know uh, quarantine it to keep it from spreading but eventually it, it breaks out eventually the the because just like a you know like in a prison i guess that the um you know the guards have to have a good day every day but the prisoners you know just have to have that one day where where they get um where where they can uh, get their their day right and then they actually break out and break through and that's you know, I was talking with um, another gentleman about, you know, Bitcoins, you know, what it what it means and beyond, you know, trying to another rabbit hole of figuring out more of what Bitcoin is, is that one of the the great innovations. And I, I almost think it's probably one of the, the the greatest thing that Bitcoin did or its greatest attribute is that it broke people's. Um, minds in that what was you know previously thought impossible it made possible the concept of uh you know pretty much we were prior to 2009 in this idea of that it was either fiat currencies or we were going to have to wait for some apocalyptic event and then we'd maybe get some gold back uh gold backing back to our money but what bitcoin did was that it broke that 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 mental dam that kind of existed um, throughout, you know, humanity and still does. I mean, really it's, it's a, it's a pretty small group of people, you know, that, that we, uh, that we were a part of that have realized what Bitcoin has done, but 
it's continuing to spread and it's it's breaking down this concept of that you need some sort of centralized source to manage your money and what else does that mean what else can we do um, or what else do we not need centralized sources for and i think that that mind virus is also another big um big attribute of bitcoin and i would i would almost argue it's probably the biggest attribute of bitcoin is is it's uh, feeding that that virus into people's minds of well if we don't need it for one of the most important aspects of centralized institutions what else do we not need hmm yeah i um there's a lot to unpack here i feel um first of all i completely agree that with what you said that popular ideas are like viruses and uh, Anthony Pompliano, also known as Pomp, uh, says that all the time, like every second tweet of him, at least used to be the virus is spreading. And I think that's true. You know, Bitcoin is very much like a mind virus as well. And I, I tried to write about that in one of my previous pieces, which is kind of a precursor to proof of life, um, where I looked at what draws people into Bitcoin. And um, as, as I said before, um, or as, as I've written in Proof of Life, Bitcoin manifests itself through the interplay of ideas, code, people and notes. And that's for me the, the feedback loop that is also responsible for Bitcoin's success. Because in a way, it all started out with the idea of creating digital scarcity. And I think that's um, that relates to what you have said that Bitcoin broke the paradigm in a way. Everyone thought that creating digital scarcity was impossible because information wants to be free. And Bitcoin made digital scarcity possible for the first time. And based on that idea, you know, code was written and uh, people started to run notes and that reinforced the idea. And out of that, um, that's at least how I see it, out of that value was created. And no, no matter what you change uh, of those four pieces, um, they all influence each other, and the 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 loop just keeps on going. You know, it, it it's kind of a, a viral feedback loop, and uh, Satoshi knew that, and he wrote about it very, very early. Uh, and there there are many pieces of his writing where he alludes to that. Um, for example, he wrote, you might want to get some in case it really catches on. <laughs> and we, we see that happening. Uh, and we saw that happening. And I think it, this feedback loop uh, will continue to work if there is no cath catastrophic failure or any new bre scientific breakthrough that the world works very differently than, than we think it works. But to come back to what you said that popular ideas are like uh, uh, viruses. It, um, the, the viral nature, I think, is very important for a system like that. And I'm not sure if I agree with, with the idea that also some of your guests had that um, money is just one th thing that we can uh, how should I say? I'm I'm not sure if a system like that makes too much sense for any too much sense for anything else but money. It might, but I think money is the most important one. And 
as you said, it's it's a it's a mind virus. And what I think the most important aspect of Bitcoin, in a way, is is also waking people up to the idea that our money is broken in a way, which I think is true. And that was my biggest hurdle personally to getting into Bitcoin because I ignored it for the first four or five times I heard about it. And because I never thought about the question, what is money? I had no idea what money is. I, I had no idea how the economy works. I had no idea about the history of money. And the last couple of years, I'm just trying to catch up with the Pierre Rochards and the Michael Goldsteins and and uh, the Saifedina Mooses of the world that have like studied economy and Austrian economics for the last 10 years or more. And I think that's really important that more people struggle with the question what money is and why our money is broken. And I think the Bitcoin mind virus helps with that tremendously. And yeah, and your the article that you're talking about, we'll link to that as well. Um, uh, that's called Bitcoin's Gravity. And I think one of the, the you touched on something that was very important in there in that um, you, you talked about when you ask, you know, three people, what is Bitcoin? Um, and you'll get three different answers. And it's one of the, the questions I usually ask every every guest, just because I think it really, you know, helps to illuminate where where they stand and what their mindset on Bitcoin is based on, you know, what, what do you think it is kind of illuminates that, that mindset that they have and where they're coming from. And I think this is one of the really important aspects of Bitcoin is that it's so hard to define in a way um, exactly what it is. Cause it's not just, you know, it's not just money. Um, it, there's a lot, there's so many other aspects to it than to just, you know, categorize it as that. And it's also, it's very much like a shape-shifting changeling in a way in that it's, you know, like Satoshi said, this would be very appealing to libertarians, but, but it also doesn't require you to be a libertarian to appreciate it or like it or use it. It's very appealing to anybody from any of the ideological spectrum and that um, it's, it's a, it's a purely fair money. There's, there's no, um, there's no, uh, you know, oligarchy or anything like that that is that is you know stacking the deck in their favor or you know um creating a situation where we have now where the closer you are to the creation of fiat the 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 more advantage that you have and i think that's that it's such an important aspect of bitcoin being so uh i don't i don't want to say aloof or or that's such a bad term but um it's it's so undefinable in a way and it's and it's apolitical that it makes it so attractive that that's one of the the, the great aspects of it being able to become a, a global money is because it's not you know money for libertarians or or money for um for for you know anarchists or anything like that it's it's everybody's money and it, it doesn't take any sides yeah um I'm not sure if I agree that Bitcoin is apolitical. I think the idea behind it is very political in a way, just like the idea behind the internet is, in my opinion, also quite political. I mean, the, the idea of net, neutral, net neutrality. And we can see uh, efforts all over the world to reverse that. Um, I mean, China has the, the great Chinese firewall and 
in the US legislation that has been passed, uh, which basically kills net neutrality. And arguably, whether you know it or not, the philosophical, political idea behind a complete neutral network, a network which doesn't discriminate, which I believe is a political idea, basically, um, it, it, it arguably made the internet what it is and is responsible for, um, yeah, the internet to prosper. And you can see the sa same in free software, for example, arguably Richard Stallman's biggest breakthrough wasn't a technological one, but a legal one. And he founded the Free Software Foundation and he really took the philosophy behind it very, very seriously. And he built up a legal framework with copyleft licenses and even viral copyleft licenses, um, like some versions of the GPL, where no matter what software you write, if it has this license, if you take this software in any way, if you use it, you're free to use it, you're free to do it with whatever you want, but you have to use a free license as well. Like you cannot restrict what the future generations will be doing with the software. It has to be unrestrictive. And I, I, all of these ideas are political in a way. So um, that's that's a long roundabout way of, of <laughs> um, yeah, not agreeing with the statement that Bitcoin is apolitical. I know what you mean, but I think that the root idea is very much a political one in a way that we should have hard sound money, which cannot be controlled by anyone and a related idea to that is also it's also related to censorship because if you build a system where censorship cannot happen you the idea behind that is that if censorship can happen it will happen and we see that all over again like we see, we see that everywhere and <laughs> everything that has the possibility to have some kind of central sensor at some point in time, this power will be abused. So, uh, yeah, a cypherpunk solution to this philosophical, political conundrum is to build a system which simply removes any central point of failure. And yeah, Bitcoin does it beautifully. I think Bitcoin is a, a system that is explicitly built with that political idea in, in mind. I mean, it, it's debatable if it's a political idea or not, but but it definitely is built specifically for that purpose. And as you said, if you ask three different people, you will get probably even 30 different answers about what Bitcoin is. And in a way, Bitcoin is different things to, to different people. And there is also the meme going around that Bitcoin is whatever you want it to be. And I think that's true as well. And um, that's where it already gets hairy because when you come down to the technical details, Bitcoin is indeed a, a protocol. And if you simply ignore the sound money aspects of it, you can just use it to, to transfer value across the globe. Like no matter what your base denomination is, if you store all your value in US dollars and someone at the other end of the globe also has all his value in US dollars or even something else, it doesn't matter, but let's stick to US dollars for now. You can simply use it as a messaging system, like a, a wire transfer, and you can just convert whatever you want to send into Bitcoin, send it that way, like an email, and 10 minutes later, half an hour later, whatever, you convert it back. And the fluctuations in price don't matter at all for that. And uh, I... Budion wrote a piece on that, that Bitcoin is simply a messaging system and it, it's not really money. 
but Bitcoin is so many different things at once <laughs> that I, I have to disagree with him uh, on that because Bitcoin most definitely is money. It has all the characteristics as money and, bit and people use it as money. And it's the soundest, most hard money that we ever had. Like it, it will be from a stock to flow perspective harder than gold in the next year or yeah, it, it will be on par with gold, but it doesn't matter because it will be infinitely scarce it will be infinitely hard uh, in the future and uh, we never had anything like that before and as um i'm i'm not sure who said it maybe it was murad mamudov i'll have to look it up again but uh all of that is encapsulated in the statement that bitcoin is like a digital super gold that is flying through an unstoppable PayPal. And we see all of those kind of short sentences and memes emerge, which, which try to encapsulate some parts of Bitcoin. And that is uh, like what does it, that is encapsulating is that first of all, it's uncensorable, which is really important because that directly relates to decentralization. And the second one is that it has the soundest monetary policy we ever had on earth. And people kind of even if you don't know anything about monetary policy or the hardness of money or stock to flow ratios you kind of know that gold is really cool and really valuable and if something is super gold then you, you kind of know what it means you know it's really scarce and it, it, it's really valuable and all of that in a way is true and that is a, a very very long answer to the question you know what what is bitcoin to me <laughs> I, my short answer is i have no idea it's all of those things and i believe it's even more no i mean i, I agree with, with with your take on it i wasn't trying to uh uh insinuate um uh, that at all that that um but i'll just i'll let you uh i'll let your your uh your your um your point stand uh, you could you explained it way yeah. better better than i could uh, no no but... and, and uh, don't get me wrong I, I i think i know what you meant with uh, that, that bitcoin is apolitical and in a way i agree it's it's political in the same way that net neutrality is apolitical it, it doesn't judge you know it doesn't judge at all it, it, it's not capable to make judgments but uh, uh from if you look at it from another perspective the whole system kind of is political and uh yeah if, if you contrast it for example to to let's take libra because it was in the news the last couple of weeks <laughs> and i would i would say that libra has a very different political philosophy behind it because uh, it's what facebook wants to do is have total control about financial transactions and they want to have the right to censor any transactions that uh, have to be censored because of law or because they disagree with the values of Facebook. And Bitcoin is diametrically opposed to that. And in, in that way, I think it's it's political. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's what I, I guess what I was, I was I was trying to get at is that it's 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 uh, it's very political in its uh, in its its outputs and what it means and but it but the apoliticalness is that um by the fact that it's you know permissionless anybody can join it but i do think that the the political ramifications for its use for its adoption are massive and also just as by uh, people who are not of i mean it's not necessarily 
well that are that aren't you know libertarian or or sound money advocates or whatever um when they come to it and they start to use it and then they start to wonder you know how does this work and you know they start to look at all the aspects of bitcoin it starts to lead them down these these rabbit holes of of education of knowledge and in that aspect as well um just this pro- proliferation of knowledge because of its existence is also very very political but i i guess my my point was uh m- more geared around towards the the fact that it's a permissionless system uh that it it doesn't require any sort of affiliation or belief to use it uh and and uh, but it's yeah as you said the the outcomes and its ramifications on society are absolutely 100% you know political and and uh you know i think that's why a lot of us were first uh, first attracted to it yeah and i think the same was true for the internet in a way and in like if if bitcoin continues to not die which i <laughs> i believe it will i believe it will continue to march on and grow and have this adoption cycles and so on then i think we will see the same thing happening that uh, we saw happening with the internet i i fear the internet also as a as a thing of its own that it's swallowing up information and we saw that it took over many different industries like every every industry that kind of can be converted into information will be killed off by the internet and we saw that with newspapers with blockbuster anything having to do with audio or video and uh all telecommunication um everything was swallowed up by the internet and i think the same will happen with bitcoin uh but not for information but with value so anything that kind of can be converted to value and has to do with the storage of value or with the um transaction of value will be swallowed up by Bitcoin. And it doesn't even matter if people really understand it or not. I think it will happen anyway, because people have no no idea how the internet works and they use it every day. And people build companies uh, upon the infrastructure of the internet and they have no idea how the internet works. And I think the same will be true for Bitcoin. I just think that we are really extremely early. And I know we're 10 years in and 10 years sounds like a very long time, but it 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 is not <laughs> because the first two years or so i i think they don't really count <laughs> and the next couple of years were just riddled with confusion and i think um some early adopters figured out the potential of bitcoin and uh, they are very well off now and the, uh, i i think we as yeah as anyone who is interested in bitcoin i think just reading through the old forum posts and listening to people that had a very long time in the space is very valuable because I think with every adoption cycle, we will also hear very similar arguments brought up again and again. And again, I, I, I think uh, parallel to the internet and the evolution of the internet uh, can be drawn here as well because the internet never scaled and it still doesn't scale. The internet is all always at maximum capacity like if you if you 100x the capacity of the internet then you suddenly have 4k video streaming all the time and it's again at capacity (laughs) and the same is true for bitcoin i think it it will always have these kind of problems and it will be uh uh yeah at a continuous process of development and smart people figuring out how to improve things further and um it will just yeah as, as far as i can tell it will march on and 
swallow up value all over the world. Yeah, it, it, what the internet did was kind of change people's, you know, we don't realize it as much. I mean, most of us, we kind of grew up with the internet existing already is kind of becoming a, a larger part of our you know, larger part of our world to the point now where it's kind of where we live most of the time. And what that, what that did and what's kind of hard to, to realize without kind of going to that 30,000 foot view and, and looking at in more of a historical context is that it has changed, you know, at least uh, definitely in the West and in, and in other industrialized nations, it's kind of this, our idea of what, what the world should be, right? This, this idea of, you know, you order something from Amazon uh, and it gets here in two days. Now, if you order something from anywhere else and it takes a week, uh, you kind of, you know, are just floored that, <laughs> you know, something that you ordered is not here within a day or two or, you know, just the, you know, reporting of information or, you know, um, you know even, you know, emails are starting to seem almost antiquated compared to just DMing people. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of changed the way that we perceive what reality should be. And once you kind of get into this mindset of what the internet has offered and brought to us in a very short period of time, it, it, it kind of changes your, your concept of what reality should be and anything that is kind of antithetical to that you kind of you kind of brussle at a little way and i think that that's what bitcoin's going to do to the point where as as it becomes more ubiquitous in society that these ideas of of you know old ways of conducting finance that that are antithetical to bitcoin that are less secure and 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 just you know um less efficient in every way possible that as people, you know, if anybody tries to suggest that and brings that in, it's going to be the same uh, eventually as, you know, saying, oh, yeah, well, it'll take two weeks, you know, to get to you, you know, <laughs> but when I mail it and you're just going to go, I don't I don't believe that, you know, that, that, that's right. That's not the right. That's not how things are supposed to work. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. And it, it, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, email already feels very old. And and uh, I think it's interesting because different social norms formed around email and messaging and other parts of the internet. Like, uh, for example, you, you will behave differently in a Telegram chat or on Twitter or on email. And it's kind of accepted that it just takes a day or two or maybe three to get an answer from an email. But if you message someone on a messenger, you, you're you starting to get worried if he doesn't answer in like 10 hours, <laughs> you, you might think that something's up. Uh, like if, if someone doesn't respond immediately on a messenger, then, then something's usually wrong. <laughs> and yeah, I think, you see yeah. it, says, uh, it says received, they saw it, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, the, very much the same things will be happening uh, uh, not with communication, but with transfer of value. And I think we will see the same social forms forming in Bitcoin. And I think, for example, on-chain transactions will be something very, very precious and will be done maybe for very large sums of money or uh, to settle between corporations or even between banks in the future. And uh, I think it will change the whole nature of society because we now have a way where you can pay someone instantly and you don't have to know anything about them and you can just beam value to them no matter who they are, where they are. And that's so extremely powerful. It's just like 
you know, for example, Twitter changed society, I would argue as well, because you can just, yeah, you can just send a short message to the most famous persons on the planet in a way. (laughs) And if you're lucky, they might even read it and respond and you can suddenly interact, you know, with the president or or, uh, whomever. And that's such a different world than we used to live in like 30 years ago. And I think Bitcoin has the same potential, especially once you experience it firsthand. And I think that's extremely important if you have a a friend or relative interested in Bitcoin to just set up a wallet for them and and guide them through the whole process and let them experience just receiving value magically through the internet. And I experienced that myself uh, now quite a long time ago, but but uh, more recently I uh, I did some work for someone on the internet and they didn't they, they don't know anything about me. They just know my Twitter handle and they just paid me uh, in Bitcoin. And that's kind of amazing if you think about it in terms of what new ways of collaboration and just frictionless collaboration this opens up because in in the regular world you you would almost have no way to transfer this money from continent to continent without jumping through so many hoops and i think this will just be the new norm especially for kids growing up nowadays if you are used to handling in-game currency and sending virtual items around all the time in games anyway they just will expect something like that to simply work just like we expect something like WhatsApp or Signal to simply work. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, it's it's just going to become such a such a norm. Um, and and like you said, especially for 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 gaming and for gamers, that that's just you know it's it's already been kind of the the world. Most of you know a lot of people who are, especially if you get really into gaming, that becomes your world anyways. But that. This, this idea of, well, you know, you can't go do this because it's the weekend or, you know, you have to wait until Monday um, for, <laughs> you know, for this transfer to go through is it's it just it, it amazes me, you know, like even when I'm doing my traditional stocks and and looking at either buying or selling something. Look, you know, going, oh, well, why, you know, I can't, this, this trade is not going to go through, or I can't do this or that because it's after four o'clock, you know, and the bell's rung. It's just, it's just, you have weekends off and, or or it's a Monday, but it's a holiday. So, so the markets are closed. It just seems, it just seems a a very old way of, of, of thinking. And, and it's definitely going to, it's, it's definitely good. It's going to go away here um, over the next, uh, over, you know, the next generation. But uh, I, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you got uh, other things to do today and uh, it's morning over there. And uh, I just uh, didn't want to hold you too long, but uh, how can people uh, get a hold of you? Or actually, do you have any closing thoughts before we, uh, before we uh, um, close up the, the podcast? Yeah, I, um, Closing thoughts. I, I I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree with what you said, and I'm constantly amazed how uh, antiquated the traditional banking system feels once you discovered Bitcoin, or once Bitcoin discovers you. I don't know what's more accurate. I I think like uh, at least I personally feel for me there is no way of going back to the traditional system. Everything just 
looks and feels kind of stupid now as you said if you want to uh make a wire transfer and it's uh it's friday noon then yeah the money will arrive on tuesday next week maybe and uh, it's just such such a strange world <laughs> it's so weird that um yeah banks haven't figured out a faster way to to transfer money between them even though like 97 percent of all the money is digitized anyway and yeah i think bitcoin as it continues to grow it will just make the old system obsolete just like the internet did most people will not believe it most people still think that this is crazy internet money and um it yeah it, it's just some some nerds and some uh, modern gold bucks maybe playing around with weird internet stuff but i think the world is waking up to bitcoin um and we saw that in the political sphere as well and i personally believe uh and that might be a fitting closing thought i personally think that it will happen faster than most people think and i believe that is true because bitcoin is First of all, it's uncorrelated to everything else. And second of all, it's an exponential technology built up on exponential technologies. And like 11 years ago or so, the first iPhone was presented, or maybe it was 12 years ago. It's roughly 10 years ago. And I think Bitcoin will need another 10 years or so for things to really get crazy. And I, I personally believe that there is no going back and also pretty much no way to kill bitcoin and i hope to yeah i hope to make the case in the finale of of my bitcoin as a living organism series where i will go through the thought experiment of what you will have to do to kill bitcoin so stay tuned for that yeah great i i uh reminded of the hemingway quote where they were asked how did you go bankrupt and he said two ways gradually then suddenly so i think that uh uh, that's that's very much uh, in line with with uh, and I agree with how you know Bitcoin's going to come into being. It's going to be very gradual, and then suddenly it's it's going to be here. Um, and uh, how can people get a hold of you? And and who do you want to hear from? Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter all the time, so just ping me there. I'll probably see it, and my DMs are open. I'm there, GG on Twitter, D R G I G I. And I try to write about Bitcoin as much as my time allows. And I publish that on Medium and also on my personal site because I don't trust Medium. <laughs> and that's uh, derchichi.com. Well, great. I, I really appreciate you kind of uh, coming on. La- it was somewhat last minute. Um, I think it was uh, yesterday or day before uh, it uh, just kind of jumped on and was asking you after I was reading your article for you to for you to jump on here so i really appreciate the last minute accommodation and uh and thanks for thanks for coming thanks for having me